We're going to read this evening, and I'm going to be preaching from the prophecy of Habakkuk. I'll give you a moment or two to find that in your Bibles. We're going to read all of the first chapter and then the first four verses of chapter 2. Habakkuk 1 verse 1 and following. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slack. And judgment doth never go forth, for the wicked doth compass about the righteous, and therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Should perhaps stop there a moment and mention the fact that the prophecy of Habakkuk is different from most of the other prophets prophetic books of Scripture, and different especially in this, that it's a conversation between the prophet Habakkuk and God himself. Habakkuk has been speaking, that's obvious, in the first four verses, and now God answers him. Behold ye among the heathen and regard, and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which ye will not believe, though it be told you. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses also are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves, and their horsemen shall come from afar. They shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind, and they shall gather the captivity as the sand. And they shall scoff at the kings, and princes shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold, for they shall heap dust and take it. 
Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, imputing this his power unto his God. Now Habakkuk responds, Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment, and, O mighty God, Thou hast established them for correction. Thou art purer of eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore lookest Thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest Thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he, and makest men as the fishes of the sea, as the creeping things that have no ruler over them. They take up all of them with the angle, they catch them in their net, and gather them in their drag. Therefore they rejoice and are glad. Therefore they sacrifice unto their net, and burn incense unto their drag because by them their portion is fat, and their meat plenteous. Shall they therefore empty their net, and not spare continually to slay the nations? And then in the first four verses of chapter 2, Habakkuk is still speaking. I will stand upon my watch, and set me upon the tower, and will watch to say, to see what he will say unto me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. But the just shall live by his faith. So those last eight words of what we read... The last part of verse 4, that's the sermon text this evening. But the just shall live by his faith. I think you'll agree with me that we live in desperately evil times. And I think you'll agree with me when I say that these times are not good times for the church of Jesus Christ. Perhaps some of the worst times that the church has ever gone through, some of the worst times in the church of Jesus Christ. Habakkuk 
lived in times like that. In fact, the days of Habakkuk were an Old Testament picture of the times in which we live. Near the end of the Old Testament, his times pictured the times in which we live near to the end of the New Testament. Evil times. And evil times, too, for the church of Christ, the church of God, as represented in those days by the nation of Judah, to whom Habakkuk prophesied. Because those times were so evil, God's people, through Habakkuk, needed a word from God to get them through those evil times. And because things would not get better, but worse, they needed a word from God that would help them to face the future as well. And what was true of Judah is also true of us. There's no question, ought to be no question, that we too need to hear what God has to say to his church in such times. And need to hear that word of God especially because for us also things are not going to get better. Do you know what God had to say to his church through Habakkuk? First and most important of all, and what he has to say to you in these evil times and in the face of even more desperate times that are coming. What he has to say in those last words of Habakkuk 2 verse 4 is not what you would expect. You would think that perhaps God would speak to his people of his sovereignty. That he was in control Sovereign control of everything. All that evil was in his hand. But that's not what he talks about in Habakkuk 2 verse 4. Or you might think that God would tell Judah and us with Judah, that the end of it all would be the coming of Christ 
and salvation, eternal salvation for the people of God. But that's not the word that he gives his people, gave them in the days of Habakkuk, gives to us. He says, said to Judah, says to us, what you need more than anything else to face the evil that you see all around you and that is only going to increase and grow, what you need is this truth, the just shall live by faith. What you need is a doctrine the doctrine of justification by faith alone. That, more than anything else, will help you through those evil days, these evil days, and give you peace. So it's that truth to which I call your attention this evening. The just shall live by faith. And we're going to look at what was happening in the days of Habakkuk. Going to take you very briefly through chapter 1 and the first verses of chapter 2 so that you see what Habakkuk himself was struggling with. And then, too, how God's answer to him is just what he and Judah needed to hear. We're going to look then at the need for this truth. It was there in Habakkuk's day. It's our need as well. We're going to look at the truth of justification by faith alone, the truth that God gave Judah through Habakkuk and gives to us also. And then we're going to look at the comfort in evil times of that great truth of the Word of God. So turning to the beginning of Habakkuk. In those first four verses, you will see that Habakkuk's main concern was the church. And the fact that there was so much sin in the church of his day. So much unfaithfulness, idolatry, injustice, violence, and spoiling are some of the things that he talks about. The law, he says, is slacked. No one seems to care about the law of God. And, of course, he's talking not about the world around him, but about Judah. 
No one cares. And if you raise your voice and point out these evils, then no one listens. And no one's interested in facing the problems that are there and dealing with them. The law is slack, and judgment doth never go forth. It seems, he says, that the wicked are in control of things in the church, that they're in the majority, and that God's people are few in number and in danger of their very existence. The wicked doth compass the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceedeth. And he says, too, it seems, Lord, as though you don't even notice. How long shall I cry? And thou wilt not hear. Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Where are you in all of this? Do you not see what's going on? And God answers that concern of Habakkuk in those evil times for the church of his day. God answers Habakkuk in verses 5 through 11 and says to him, I do see. And I am going to deal with it. With all the problems and sins that are so evident in the church. But Habakkuk, you are not going to like what I'm going to do about that evil. The Babylonians are coming. And I am going to use them to chastise my people to purify my church. But you are not going to like what the Babylonians do when they come. That's what God is talking about, for example, when he says, I will raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation which shall march through the breath of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They're terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. It's not impossible that Habakkuk lived long enough to actually see the fulfillment of what God said about the coming of the Babylonians. That he witnessed, for example, 
the capture of the city of Jerusalem, the destruction of the city and the temple, the king having his sons killed before his eyes and then his eyes put out before he was carried away in chains to Babylon. God's people led away into captivity into Babylon and the land left empty and desolate. Jeremiah, who was a contemporary of Habakkuk, did witness some of those things. And in the book of Lamentations speaks of horrors that Habakkuk and Judah in Habakkuk's day couldn't even imagine. Jeremiah, this is chapter 5 of Lamentations, speaking of what God would do through the Babylonians, says, we get our bread with the peril of our lives because of the sword of the wilderness. Our skin was black like an oven because of the terrible famine. They ravished the women in Zion and the maids in the cities of Judah. Princes are hanged up by their hand. The faces of the elders were not honored. They took the young men to grind, and the children fell under the wood. The elders have ceased from the gate, the young men from their music. The joy of our heart is ceased, our dance is turned into mourning. The crown is fallen from our head. Woe unto us that we have sinned. So God's word, in answer to Habakkuk's concerns, is, first of all, things are not going to get better. And in the second place, Babylonians are coming. What does that have to do with us? In these evil times, when we, like Habakkuk, are not only concerned about the evils of our society, but concerned about the fact that the church, the church of Christ, is so weak, so sinful, so worldly, so often unfaithful, so filled with strife and violence, the things that Habakkuk talks about. That there's, it seems anyway in the church, and I'm not talking just about the church world in general, but our own denomination and even our own congregation here, that there doesn't seem to be much regard for the law of God. 
The law is slacked. And if you raise your voice, no one listens. That those who want to turn the church in a different direction are in the majority. That the wicked compass the righteous in the church of Jesus Christ so that it sometimes seems that the very existence of the church is in danger. Coldness, apostasy, unfaithfulness, all the things that Jesus talks about in Matthew 24, we see in the church, don't we? And in ourselves, too. Does no good to point the finger at others, but we ourselves are guilty in one way or another of evil times in the church of Jesus Christ. And if we cry as Habakkuk did, and as we ought to do, cry about that to God, wonder why he doesn't step in, change things, rescue his people, drive evil out of the church. If we cry as Habakkuk did, then God's answer to us is the same as it was to Habakkuk. Things are not going to get better. And by the way, you'll find that answer not only here, but in other passages of the Word of God as well. Jesus, for example, in Matthew 24, speaks of days so evil for the church that if it were possible, he said, even the elect would perish. But his answer, as it was to Habakkuk and through Habakkuk to Judah, is also that the Babylonians are coming again. They're still around, and they are coming again. Babylon is still there today and is just like the Babylon of Habakkuk's day, terrible and dreadful. And when Babylon comes, then what happened in fulfillment of Habakkuk's prophecy will happen once again. They shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind, and they shall gather the captivity as the sand.
You know what I'm talking about? Babylon is a name in Scripture always for the kingdoms of this world. For the kingdoms of this world, which are always the enemy of God's people and God's church, and which are interested only in one thing the destruction of the church of Jesus Christ. They're that wicked world in association with the false church. Read Revelation 17, where Babylon is the name of the false church riding on the back of Antichrist in association with the kingdoms of this world. Babylon And that's the thing that troubled Habakkuk. Babylon is the nation that God uses to chastise his people and his church. That's the last part of Habakkuk 1, verses 12 through 17. Habakkuk's response is, Babylon? You're going to use Babylon to correct the sins and weaknesses of the church? You're going to send Babylon against us? How can that be? We're wicked, yes. We've done evil. We're worthy of punishment. But Babylon is even more wicked than we are. And you're going to use that to correct the evils in Judah? Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? Babylon? Or as we might say, Antichrist? That's what's ahead for the church? Surely we deserve chastisement, rebuke. But you're going to give your church into the hands of the ungodly world? You're going to allow Antichrist to ravage the church until the church is scattered and destroyed? How can that be? 
when thou art purer of eyes than to behold evil and canst not look on iniquity. And then in chapter 2, Habakkuk, thinking that perhaps he had overstepped his bounds and said too much, says, I'm not going to say any more, I'm just going to go into my watchtower and wait for an answer. And I'm probably going to be rebuked for speaking out of turn. I will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. God didn't reprove Habakkuk, but answered his concerns and answered them with those eight words of chapter 4. This is all you need to know, Habakkuk. All you need to bring to Judah in the face of what is already happening and what's ahead for Judah. The just shall live by his faith. That's all. Don't need any more than that. You don't need to know why I'm using the Babylonians. You don't need to know why things are going to get worse and not better. You don't need to know how I, in my holiness, can use the wicked Babylonians. to correct and chastise my church. Just this, the just shall live by his faith. And that's God's word to us too. We don't need, don't need to worry as Habakkuk did, about what's going to come. In our concern for the church of Christ, we don't need to know how God can possibly in his holiness use this ungodly world and the growing wickedness of our society, and in the end, the coming of Antichrist and his kingdom, and the persecution of the church. Babylon, in Revelation 17, is pictured as drunken with the blood of the saints and of the martyrs of Jesus. Why? Why in that way? She's in Revelation 17, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. 
And yet, that is the way in which God will save His church and bring her to everlasting glory. And He doesn't tell us how and why, but simply says, the just shall live by His faith. That's the doctrine, as I told you at the beginning, of justification by faith alone. That verse is quoted in Romans and in Galatians. And in both passages, it's used as proof for justification by faith alone. And that doctrine, as you know, and you must know it, if that's your comfort, your hope, the thing you hold on to in the most desperate of times, that doctrine is the truth that God gives his people a righteousness which comes from heaven and is really the righteousness of God himself. And in that way, makes them acceptable to him. Gives them the right to stand before him without fear. That's justification. I have no standing with God as a sinner. The thought of standing before him as a sinner makes me tremble. And all my works can never, never become my righteousness before God, my acceptance with Him. Because as the prophet Isaiah says, all my righteousnesses are nothing but filthy rags in His sight. But having no righteousness of my own, He gives me, as a gracious gift, his own righteousness. And gives me that so that I, and it is as though I never had, never committed any sin. And so can stand in his presence. And he gives me that righteousness through faith in Christ. Through faith because faith joins me to Christ. And when I'm joined to Christ, then everything that's Christ's becomes mine. Especially, and first of all, that righteousness, which is really the righteousness of God himself. 
that I have in Christ through faith. And the people of God had that in the Old Testament too, even though Christ had not yet come. Was not Abraham our father justified by faith and not by works? But it's that truth that God gives to Habakkuk as he struggles with the mystery of God's dealings with his church. This, he says, is what you must know. The just shall live by his faith. And that's his word to us. That's what you need. And what I need. When we see the growing wickedness of the world around us. When we see the power of Babylon growing. And see their enmity against the church of Christ. And when we read the Word of God and hear from the Word of God that it will not be long before Babylon comes swifter than leopards, fiercer than the evening wolves against the church of Jesus Christ. The just shall live by his faith. That's all you need to know. But how? How is that the comfort, the hope, the peace of God's people in times like these? When the end comes, And you see the man of sin himself and his hatred of all that belongs to the kingdom of God and have to face his efforts to destroy finally and forever God's kingdom. How is that word? our comfort and peace. What do you think? Why is that what you need? More than anything else, living so, so near the end of time and all that the end will bring. The answer is that that doctrine of justification by faith alone means that no matter what happens, no matter when things are like 
the times of which Jeremiah speaks in Lamentations 5. No matter when the world does to God's people what Babylon did to Daniel and his three friends, and of course to many others in Judah as well. When the church is scattered and persecuted as it has never before been persecuted in all the history of the world. That truth is the comfort of God's people because it means this, that none of what happens, none of it, is God's judgment on his church. The just shall live by his faith. I shall not die under the judgment of God, but live and tell the praises of God. That's what Habakkuk is is talking about. No matter what happens, it cannot be an evidence of the fact that I am still somehow or other because of my sins under the fierce wrath and eternal judgment of God Almighty. You see? And we need to hear that, too. We need to hear that because when evil happens in our own lives or in the church, then we immediately look at ourselves, see our sins, and say, God's angry with me. I'm still under the judgment of God. You have that. An example of that in Psalm 77, a psalm of Asaph. Whatever troubles he was going through, his response was, first of all, will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? That's the way we react, isn't it? And God says, no, no. By the blood of Christ, by the sacrifice that he offered on the cross... And by virtue of your union with him, you are in my sight righteous and therefore can be and must be sure that these evils that come into your lives and into the church are not my judgment on you. I have a purpose in them. I'll use them to chastise you and correct you, but they are not 
cannot be my judgment on you. And if you understand that, I think you can see too why that's the word that God gave to Habakkuk in the face of Babylon's coming. And why that's the word that he has before anything else for you. Who with your children, must face the return of Babylon and those evil days that are still to come. The just shall live by his faith. If you understand that, then I think you'll agree with me too. That that's all we need. Why does God tarry? Why does Christ tarry? Why must there be such evil days for the church? Yes, we've sinned. We're always sinners. But Babylon? God's answer still today is the just shall live by his faith. And you will need that truth. You need it now, but you'll need it in the days that are ahead too, more than anything else. You know what Habakkuk's response was? That response, of course, follows because if we have the righteousness of Christ, then we really have everything else in Christ as well. Then it must be true that his home, his father, his people, his spirit, his grace are also ours. We're righteous before God. That no matter what happens, we can be sure that he will never do us evil, but only good. Or as the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans 8, that all things must work together for good to those who love God. In view of that, Habakkuk's response, and it has to be ours also, is in the last verses of chapter 3. You know what he said? When he got a hold of that truth that the just shall live by faith, this is what he said. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. 
The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Even then, the Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds' feet. And he will make me to walk upon mine high places. There isn't any other response possible, is there? In the face of that comforting truth that the just shall live by his faith. Nothing else matters but that I am righteous before God through faith in Jesus Christ. That must be everything to you and to me as it was to Judah in those days. God grant it. Amen. Father in heaven, we Thank Thee for the wonderful comforts that Thy Word affords and how we need them in these evil days. We thank Thee that in all the changing circumstances of our lives, in all that's happening in the world around us, in all that happens in the Church of Christ, We are, through faith in Jesus Christ, righteous before Thee. Write that truth in our hearts, Father. And even when there is no herd in the stalls, teach us by that truth to rejoice in Thee, the God of our salvation. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.